All right, welcome to Pursuit of Balance. Today, we're going to cover lower back pain. I feel like it's something happened in the world today at Functional Lifestyles where everyone this week and the last couple of weeks has been dealing with some type of lower back issue. Uh, and I'm actually included in this conversation. So I'm going to go over, like, you know, what really, like, how does back pain for the majority of people that we work with, act, where does it stem from foundationally? Obviously, what are the things you need to pay attention to from a daily movement perspective and a training perspective and a mobility perspective? And then most importantly is like, how do we really address the root cause of where it's coming from so we can actually fix the issue, right? Lower back pain, this has actually been something I should have done some homework on and got stats on, but I know it's well, I want to say last time I checked, it was like 60 or 70%. And I could just be making that up, but it's a really, really high number of people that suffer from lower back issues. Um, and I think the, the really easy answer for this is just understanding that the modern day human unfortunately is way too sedentary and they sit down way too much um so i'm going to go over kind of a little bit from a mechanistic standpoint like how does lower back issue or lower back itself always become kind of the culprit and the where pain kind of resides um and that's kind of understanding just anatomy and kind of functionality of how the body works a little bit more importantly first so i want to kind of go over that and i think i've definitely talked about this in the past but there's two different types of joints in the human body, right? We have mobile joints and we have stable joints, right? Mobile joints by definition are things that should be able to travel in all three planes of motion, right? Meaning they can flex and extend, they can rotate to some degree, they can laterally bend. Um, so when you look at the hips and you look at the shoulders, those are definitely the two biggest engines in the human body. And then wrist and ankles and then thoracic spine. These are going to be the five areas that we always like to kind of put more emphasis towards mobility. Now, when you look at the arch of the foot, you look at the knee, you look at the lower back and pelvis, you look at the shoulder blades or the elbows, they're dominantly a little bit more stable. Um, and my favorite example, anytime I explain this to people, is if I took your hip and I grabbed it and I rotated the hip 90 degrees, it should be able to do that. If I took your knee and I rotated it 90 degrees, it should not be able to do that. I'd probably have a lawsuit because your knee is not going to rotate 90 degrees. Um, and it's the same thing with bending laterally. So that being said, just to keep the conversation around lower back pain today, the lower back, so what this is what we call the lumbopelvic region, right? Which is a consist of the lumbar spine and the pelvis, right? The lumbar spine, okay, is gonna be the lower part of the back of the spine, and the pelvis is gonna be broken up into three bone bones. We have two iliums and we have a sacrum. Um, so when you hear someone say like SI or L5, S1, you know, they're talking about the sacrum and we're that fifth lumbar spine, right? So the lumbar consists of five vertebrae, sacrum, ilium on both sides. So this is the lumbopelvic region. We have to remember that this dominantly should be trained and should be treated as a very stable area, meaning it should be very strong in preventing movement, um, in a lateral rotational and extension flexion degree, Right. So when we look at lower back pain and we look at kind of that area more specifically, we already know inherently that inherently like it needs more strength. It needs more stability. It needs more um, position and control. Now, when you look at the two neighboring joints, which would be the hip joint and the thoracic spine, which is the next kind of mid back part of the spine, they are both mobile. Right. So when you look at the hip joint and we look at the thoracic spine, these are areas that need a lot of range of motion. Right. So if the thoracic spine or the hip joint does not have adequate range of motion, it's called the neighbor rule. It's basically going to move up or down or both. And it's going to make that joint do its job, meaning if the hip does not have enough range of motion, it's going to give the lower back 
um, more freedom to move more than it should, right? Or if the thoracic spine is very stiff and it's locked, the lumbar spine is going to be the one that ends up doing the compensating, right? So compensation patterns are normal. This is how the human body adapts to anything. Um, but adaptation is not necessarily all a good thing because you can adapt, adapt to great things and good things and you can adapt bad things and bad positions. Um, so understanding that just conceptually first, you need to remember that the two areas next to the lower back are meant to be mobile and the lumbopelvic region itself self is meant to be stable. Now, to look at this from a foundational perspective, like meaning what am I doing day to day that's causing lower back pain? There's a lot of people obviously that have lower back injuries from something that you would think, okay, that should cause an injury, meaning a skiing accident or a biking or sports uh, or something that a car accident, anything like that, where there's actually going to be trauma and force and torsion and torque. Um, but there's a lot of cases and majority of cases where people have back pain for doing absolutely nothing. Uh, and that is for me a big no, no, um, because like as a human, we shouldn't be in pain doing nothing from it. Right. So, and obviously the doing nothing part is the thing that's causing the pain, but you'll catch my full circle here in a second. Um, so when you look at the day to day from the sedentary stuff and the movement aspect and the exercise perspective of it, they all need to be treated differently and they all need to be kind of taken into the same concept of what we were just talking about, that the back primarily is meant to be stable. Now I'm going to get later into kind of some of the exercise part of it of like, doesn't mean we only treat neutral spine stuff. We can still train flexion and extension in very safe perspectives. Um, but you need to understand what you do day to day is a bigger difference than everything I'm about to tell you today, right? So that's kind of my disclaimer before I go on to this conversation. What you do for your full 24 hours and eight of those maybe being sleeping, laying down, and that even to a certain degree has some level of effect, obviously, because it's still a third of your day. The other 16 hours, waking hours that you have are more important than the two or three or four or five hours in the gym doing a little bit of warming up and cooling down or whatever mobility program maybe that you are or not doing. Uh, they're more important than all the other stuff, right? So everyone likes to look for the quick fix. They're like, hey, just give me the, the, the best stretch for this or give me the best exercise for this. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is a bad way to look at it. Really what you should be looking at, and this is kind of why I talk about movement and exercise being different, even though they're in the same dimension for me, your daily movement is really going to predicate how the lower back functions, right? From a stiffness perspective, so range of motion, and from a strength and stability perspective, right? Um, I'm sitting down in a chair, obviously recording this podcast right now, and I'm going to give you a prime example of why sitting is the new smoking and why sitting is so bad for the lower back. Um, and then obviously, what are the remedies that we can do to fix it? So when you look at sitting, your hip are in a flex position. So most of the time, the hip is not only flexed, but it's also internally rotated a little bit. So we're kind of pulled kind of forward, right? We're into this anterior position. We're into the interior rotation. Um, if you look at the spine, if I were to take a picture for me from the side, I'm in a very flexed position globally, right? Meaning my lumbar spine, my thoracic, my cervical, the entire spine is kind of stuck in this global flexion position. If you look at my shoulders, my shoulder blades are probably pulled forward and up. Right, And my humerus is internally rotated. So the entire body is getting pulled into the front side of the body and into the midline of the body. So we're anterior and interior. Um, and this is why at Functional Lifestyle is one of the things I really try to you know, focus on from a programming perspective is I try to focus more on posterior chain 
probably two to three times the amount that we do anterior work. Not to say you should be skipping anterior. Uh, I'm just saying that, and from a bulletproofing perspective, um, and from a postural perspective, we really should be focusing on getting the upper back nice and strong, getting us into extension of the spine and extension of the hips. Um, and you know, getting the glutes to become stronger, all those good things. Because when we get the things that are foundational to support good posture, um, and we train them more often, obviously it's going to lead to improving that over time, right? So one thing that I always like to remind people of is if you're sitting down with work, there's seven to 10 hours a day, and then you're maybe sitting in a car and then you're maybe sitting down to eat dinner. Then you're maybe sitting down to watch TV. Then you're laying down. A lot of people nowadays don't move that much, right? So when number one step to fixing your lower back pain is looking at daily movement, right? And this is going to be kind of twofold. Number one is the actual moving more part. And then number two is going to be kind of the position you spend your time when you're not moving part. Um, I literally just had a client that came through that just signed up an hour ago. And, uh, you know, she was she's a therapist, works remotely sits down all the time and kind of deals with some left hip issues and a lot of it. And she says, like, I was like, what's the thing that really causes the most pain pattern or motion or whatever? She's like sitting. And I was like, everyone says that, <laughs> like, including myself, like sitting is the worst thing for you, right? And because you're putting your body into a bad position. And then when you go to do normal things, like go on a walk or go to the gym and go work out or do things throughout the day, when your body tries to get back in its normal position anatomically, it's stuck into this kind of chair position, right? So when we come back to this adaptation conversation, your body is adapted to being good at sitting in a chair. So the thing that's kind of this negative feedback loop is you feel good sitting and you feel like shit walking or standing or moving. So of course I'm going to sit more because I feel better, which is the normal instinct that people have. And that's the problem is you're using the problem to use as the solution. Um, so when you look at movement, the one thing that I always like to say is like, you know, walking is your best friend. The cool thing about walking is it gets you into this very tall position. The spine has what we call lordosis, kyphosis, lordosis, right? So I'm talking with my hands here for people that are watching this on YouTube. Lordosis is like the lumbar spine, lower back has this natural kind of extension. The thoracic spine has this kyphotic kind of position, meaning it's a little bit naturally flexed. And that the cervical spine, so it looks like this very kind of slight S-curve, right? Um, and this is kind of what we call anatomical neutral for the spine, meaning that's it's structurally built this way on purpose, right? Um, if you were to build a bridge, we always build with a little bit of curvature, right? A little bit of an arch, just kind of how the foot is shaped as well. And the reason why is there's more structural stability there, right? Meaning we want to be in these positions. When you get into a very extreme flex position or a very extreme extended position, you kind of lose some of that support and stability from a structural standpoint, right? Um, but to kind of go over the spine a little bit more, just specifically, the spine has this, it has like a big kind of sheath of fascia running on the inside of the spine, right? So if I were to look at my spine from the inside, the anterior, the front part of the, the front facing part of the spine has this fascia, right? And here's why it's important to know this big sheath of fascia actually kind of protects your spine in levels of extension. Meaning if I were to do like a back bend right now, which is always the scary ones when you see people like in ridiculousness, they call it their scorpion or whatever. When people go into these extreme levels of extension, you actually have a pretty good kind of from a tissue standpoint, a pretty good level of protection there. When you look at flexion, we actually kind of lose some of this, right? So a lateral, a posterior lateral herniation, um, it's a very popular thing. We're basically a herniated disc. If you were to take about this kind of fluid in between these vertebrae, if I put extreme levels of flexion and force, the herniation could get, literally looks like it shoots out the backside of the spine, right? So the posterior side of that spine. 
Um, and that's what a posterior lateral herniation is, right? And you'll see this with like a lot of cadavers or even like, you know, skeletal. We have like a, a skeleton model downstairs and there's that little red thing shooting on the spine. There's not as much protection and flexion, right? Um, so the problem is when you sit down all day, you're stuck in flexion, right? So you get stuck here, right? And then when you go to train, when you put any type of load into that position that you're already stuck in, that's where a lot of these lower back issues come from, right? Um, and this is why so many people get hurt in the gym is because their posture and movement sucks first, and then they go try to deadlift, and then they go try to squat ass grass. Um, and that's obviously a huge mistake in the long run period for everybody. So... To come back to the solution aspect of movement, number one, walk more, right? Walking is going to put your hips into extension. It's going to get your body nice and tall. It's a great way to practice breath work. It's a great way to get your shoulders back. Like this is why I love farmer carries so much is because you're just doing it with load. But just walking is the best thing you can do for posture and especially lower back pain, right? Second variation of walking is for those that have access to hills or a treadmill or even a sled is backwards walking. Uh, my chiropractor was the guy that told me to do this 10 years ago. Now everyone follows Ben Patrick, the ATG guy. And is like, oh, you know, backwards walking from him. I'm like, yeah. But I like to shout out Justin Brink for this one because he told me about this a decade ago before it was cool. Walking backwards gets your hips to open up in the other direction. Meaning when I take a step behind me, when my foot goes behind my body, my hip flexors are now opening up. It's taking the glute to actually pull the leg back. And then when I pull myself forward, I'm getting the hip flexor in its extended position to actually pull me back forward, right? Or Backwards, I guess, would be the way to say it. So you're getting the hip flexor in its lengthened position, and you're strengthening it in the lengthened position. This is why backwards walking is so effective for both ankle, knee, and hip, uh, but especially like for today from a lower back perspective, single leg going behind you and backwards walking is fantastic, right? So now those are kind of movement pieces, right? So that's not rocket science, right? Like at the end of the day, it's like the more you can move and just do squats throughout the day or, you know, walk around or backwards walking, whatever, like that's obviously going to be the king. Second thing is then going to be position. I think this is almost just as important, if not more important, and due to the fact that I cannot take you away from your computer. My job is not to tell you to quit your job because you have lower back pain from sitting down all day. My job is like, well, what can I do to change what you already have going on? Um, and the number one thing that I would say is pay attention to your position. So instead of working behind a desk and sitting at a desk, I know everyone has sitting, standing. Well, I won't say everyone. A lot of people nowadays have a sitting and standing kind of desk, meaning it can come move from a standing position to a sitting position. Okay. Standing's great, but if you're standing up and you're still in a bad position, it's not going to be the best thing, right? And what ends up happening is you end up kind of sitting and rocking to one side or whatever. Um, Kelly Starrett had this little tool. I think it was called like a foot cradle. So you would stand on one leg and you put this foot on this cradle and you kind of move around, right? The cool thing about single leg work, and this is why I love single leg training, um, my chiropractor, when I had my lower back injury as well, gave me this as well as homework. He's like, hey, every time you're brushing your teeth at home, you're washing the dishes, you're in line getting coffee throughout the day, like just stand on one leg, right? Because standing on one leg forces your body to stabilize. So adductor, glutes, pelvic floor, deep core, core, everything turns on because it's trying not to fall over and maintain balance, right? So the cool thing about single leg stuff is it gets your body to work on strengthening the areas that we want stronger, right? So from a sitting perspective, here's my biggest my biggest piece of advice I can give you. Start working more in half kneeling and tall kneeling positions. The cool thing about a sit down desk and a desk that's obviously at a chair level is if you were to put one knee down on the floor, having that knee down, one leg up, one knee down, it's going to get the glute to turn on and it's going to get the hip flexor to turn up, uh, to relax, right? So it's going to get to kind of turn off. And you're going to put the hip into an extended position. Having the hip in an extended position more often 
is going to be exactly what we want to kind of fix and address the issue of lower back pain because a lot of time we're missing extension through the hip. So what are the little things that you can do throughout the day that keep your body in extension without even having to move, right? So you can still be on the computer. You can still be on these calls. You can still work behind the desk. Um, so it's going down from right knee to left knee or doing tall kneeling, which is both knees down on the floor. Uh, I think half kneeling is a better way to start. I think it gives you a little bit more asymmetrical loading, which is good from a stability perspective. But tall kneeling is fantastic as well. And if you have really, really tight hip flexors, which a lot of people that have lower back pain do because that could be cause or effect, um, you'll feel just when you put two knees down on the floor how tight your kind of front side of the hips feel like it's almost hard for you to really fully contract the glutes and that's because the hip flexors are really overactive and tight right so that would be my biggest thing is really pay attention to your movement for the hips right so standing on the desk maybe standing on one leg more often doing some squats um, or sitting in a squat working around the desk if you have that that would be something you probably need to work towards um, half kneeling, tall kneeling, getting your body to move. And the last one, which I would say, it's just probably a little bit more conducive for people working behind, you know, actually writing or a laptop is laying flat on your stomach and having your elbows in front of you and working. So now if you were to just picture this, it's kind of hard to do sitting down. I'm laying flat on the floor, you know, stomach facing down and I'm up working on my laptop on my elbows. What this does is it takes the upper back of the neck and it puts it in an extension. Right. And when it's in an extended position, the shoulders obviously kind of have to be forced down. You do that throughout the day. And these little things, like if you were to take your eight hour work day and you were to say, okay, I'm going to spend 30 minutes out of every hour, either on one knee, um, both knees, laying face down, uh, kind of in an extended position for my upper back or standing on one leg or standing or moving around a little bit, squatting, whatever. It will make a huge difference in how you feel more than any other fancy mobility stuff or anything that I'm going to talk about, obviously, as this podcast progresses, because you spend more time there, right? That eight hours is a way bigger difference than the one hour I have with my clients a day, right? So that's kind of like where I like to start this conversation is understanding like, hey, how does the kind of lumbopelvic region work? Why does lower back pain obviously consist for so many people that don't have like a traumatic loaded injury? Um, and paying attention to the day-to-day stuff, right? So the reason why lower back is such an issue is because people have very tight hips and people have a very tight thoracic spine. The reason why people have a very tight hips is because they sit down too much. They don't get into hip extension enough. The reason why people have terrible shoulders and neck position is because they sit down too much and they're not in extension enough, right? So if you catch the commonality and the parallel here, it's uh, move more and get into extension more. Um, and it's not about forcing these stretches. It's about doing the basics more often, right? Um, because you're going to feel so much better without doing any magical stuff. You don't need to go see a chiropractor or a PT or massage therapist to go fix your lower back. Everyone's looking for the quick fix. Everyone wants to go to the chiropractor, the acupuncturist, but they don't want to fix their daily stuff. And I'm like, cool, you can keep spending hundreds of dollars to keep us in business, or you can actually fucking fix the problem um, by addressing the actual root cause versus the symptom of it, right? So looking at mobility and positioning throughout the day and movement throughout the day would be kind of my first place to start to fixing lower back pain and addressing that. Second thing is now looking at kind of the other strengthening aspect is understanding that the core primarily is an anti-mover, meaning it's an anti-extender, flexor, lateral, rotational, right? So if you think about a plank, your body naturally wants to go into some level of extension. When I'm in the plank, my body wants to arch its back as it gets tired. So it's wanting to go into extension naturally as it fatigues. The core is pulling the ribcage down and pulling the hips, the core and the glutes work together here, and pulling the hips back into a posterior position, so I'm back in neutral, and that's why it's an anti-extender, right? If I were to do a glute bridge, that's an anti-flexor. 
Uh, if I were to do a side plank, that's an anti-lateral. If I were to do a Palov walk or Palov press, that's going to be um, an anti-rotation exercise, right? So these are things that are anti-movers, right? A lot of people think about the core being like, okay, well, I'm going to do a, you know, a sit-up or I'm going to do a back extension or lateral bending or a Jefferson curl. And those as well are great things to do. But one thing that will kind of just caution you to do is if you're suffering with lower back pain, I wouldn't really focus on the core movement stuff. Have the integrity of stability first, build the mobility back through the hips and thoracic spine, then graduate to things that are more movement-based for the core. Because um, I think some people are kind of in two different camps. Some people think that like the back should never really remove itself from neutral. Um, and I was kind of there for a long time. Um, what I've realized that it is good to train the body to move through controlled ranges of motion, even with load, but that's kind of at the higher end of the totem pole. I'd much rather start with somebody with bird dogs and dead bugs and planks, side planks, carries. These are things that don't move the core, but work the core because they're trying to move the core from other things um, versus doing like a QL side crunch, um, hip flexion, toes to bar. You know, training the core in that aspect too, it's still important, but I would actually make that something that has to be graduated to. Um, so when you look at the core, remember that you have to think about it like um, the rib cage is the roof, okay? And the basement is kind of the pelvis, right? So if we think about the basement to the roof, everything in between is what we're going to deem as the core. So pelvis being kind of the foundation, rib cage. We have to look at orientation and position first, right? So if you're in a flex position, you're kind of going to be pulled forward at the top of the spine, right? Or if your uh, anterior tilt of the pelvis with the hip flexors really tight, it's going to pull the pelvis down and forward, and it's going to arch the lower back more. Um, and, the, you know, a good cue for those that are listening to this, when you get out of the car or wherever you're listening to this right now, stand up, arch your lower back, try to squeeze your core in your butt. And you're not going to be able to do it because it's impossible to do. The core and the glutes posteriorly and flex the spine, right? So if the hip flexors and the erectors and the lower back, they do the exact opposite. Um, so always look at, you know, mobilize the areas that are tight, you know, through soft tissue work or stretching, corrective work, whatever. Second is then kind of strengthening those areas, right? And really focusing on strengthening everything. So not just, you know, the anti-movers in the core, but also looking at training. Because think about it this way, and I said this in a separate podcast for mobility. When you go to mobilize your hips and your thoracic spine because they're tight, you need to remember that strengthening is a part of the mobilization process. Um, a lot of people have their hips kind of internally rotated and anterior pulled forward. So they're not really good into rotational access or lateral access. So like doing 90-90 work, right? Getting the hips to have as much external and internal rotation access. Getting the hips to have as much lateral access and kind of um, ranges of motion three-dimensionally as possible. That's going to be the place you need to start at. And that requires you doing strength stuff. It's not about just foam rolling and stretching and hoping that you wake up tomorrow and it's fixed itself. The only way to bulletproof mobilization is through strengthening it, right? So look at the hips as something very three-dimensional when you treat it, right? Everyone's very linear. Everyone thinks forward, backwards, but you have to think about rotational access. You have to think about lateral access. So how do I get the glutes to be strong, not only on the back of my body, but on the side? Because that glute medius does a lot of rotation and lateral, right? How do I think about the TFL? How do I think about the hips a little bit more three-dimensionally? Um, and I would challenge you to think about the thoracic spine the same way. And I'm obviously not going to get too detailed in some of the exercises that I would do for it. But from a concept standpoint, you need to be able to think about it that way. Um, the lower back and the core, train them from a stability perspective first, train the hips and the thoracic spine through full ranges of motion and acquiring the strength in those ranges of motion because that's where you need to start. Um, and for those that are in pain currently, 
Um, you can still move. I think this is a big misconception with injuries is the fact that I have a lower back injury. I shouldn't be working out at all. No, you just need to work out a lot smarter. Um, pick modalities that don't challenge or, you know, aggravate the injury even further, right? So for me, a, co a conventional barbell deadlift would hurt my back, right? And that's actually how I kind of re, uh, re-aggravated my back four weeks ago. Uh, was doing the banded deadlifts for class. I'm like, my body just not really, I have long femur. I've never really had that much kind of success with good conventional deadlifting. I feel better doing sumo. I feel better doing a uh, frog stance. I feel better doing double kettlebell. I feel better doing trap bar deadlift. Um, so, cause it allows my knees to kind of track forward and having a tighter, um, tighter hip, but more importantly, a longer femur, it's harder for me to get into these good positions really effectively. So I always think about that is like when you guys are training, it doesn't mean stop training. It's just like, let's change the modality, even though we can keep the same pattern of motion, but let's change the modality to something that's pain-free. So if like a back squat hurts, but a front squat doesn't, cool, let's do that. Or if a front squat with a barbell hurts, but a front squat with a dumbbell doesn't because a goblet position is better, cool, let's do that. You can still do these things, right? The worst thing you can do though is let your ego get ahead of you. And I know this through personal experience i've had an injury for 11 years that i've kind of babied on and off and you know anytime i do something new or out of that's kind of like when i first started golfing a couple of years ago I, my back pain came back in full force um so you really have to be smart about just the progressions of what you do ego is going to be your worst enemy in all areas of life but especially when it comes to lower back or any injury so just be smart on how you're approaching your training and your movement day to day, right? Because your training, just like anything else, like it needs a certain level of response and recovery, right? Because you're giving an adaptation stimulus, so it needs to be a recovery period behind it. So yes, maybe your training needs to change a little bit, but I don't think it needs to train change dramatically. I think I would focus more on changing the modality versus the pattern, right? Um, intensity obviously is probably going to come down just because you're not going to be in full force. When your body's injured, your body gets tight on purpose. That's your body's defense mechanism. It says, hey, I don't feel 100%. So what I'm going to do to protect us is I'm just going to tighten everything up around this area. So not to run on too much, but I hope that kind of helps you guys kind of think about how to address the lower back is number one, give the hips and the thoracic spine as much range of motion as possible. Do that by moving more throughout the day, uh, changing your position. So instead of sitting behind a chair, you know, do half kneeling, tall kneeling, single leg squats, whatever. Um, when you look at training and you look at activation in the gym, treat anti-movement as the priority, meaning planks, side planks, breath work. Getting all those things to kind of be a big piece from anti-stability or anti-movement for stability and then progress down the road to loaded or movement-based stuff in the core and then loaded movement-based stuff um, because those are going to be kind of some of the foundational things for that. And then that and the last part that I want to kind of just leave you guys with is breath, right? When the one thing that I've realized for me that actually kind of helps me rehab my lower back pretty fast is your diaphragm is still a part of the core, right? And this diaphragm is kind of this dome-shaped muscle that sits on the bottom of the rib cage. And when you inhale, it kind of pancakes out. And when you exhale, it kind of parachutes back up into the rib cage, um, obviously based on the lung capacity. Learning how to get the diaphragm to function really, really well is an important vector for fixing lower back pain, right? So if you have trouble and you kind of keep re-aggravating your lower back, one of the things that I would challenge you is go back to basic breath work, right? Like we have balloon breathing drills where we do like 90-90, where I squeeze a yoga block and I have my heels on top of a bench laying down on my back and I lift my hips up a little bit. And then I learn how to breathe in through my nose and exhale into the balloon and then inhale again without losing the breath of the balloon. Because what it's doing is it's teaching you how to brace, but more importantly, learn how to brace and breathe at the same time. Um, if you don't have this skill, 
every time you go to take another breath, you're going to lose your position or have to rebrace, right? So when it comes to lifting and longevity of that, breathing efficiency and functionality of that is extremely important when it comes to fixing lower back pain, right? So that's the last piece I want to leave you guys with is learn how to breathe correctly. Make sure the core is stable and strong as anti-movement just as much as it is in movement. Make the priority, obviously, anti-movement. And remember, your hips and your thoracic spine are mobile joints. They need to have as much strength in the range of motion in all three dimensions, rotationally, laterally, flexion, extension. Um, if they are missing that, that is because you are either skipping your mobility or you have very, very bad position throughout the day. And most of us do as a modern day human because we sit down too much, we're on computers too much, we're on our phones too much, um, do things that get you into extension, do things that get you to open up exteriorly. Um, because as we get that strong, those problems naturally go away. All right, guys, I hope you guys like this one. Um, as always, have a great weekend. If you guys have any ideas for me on podcasts, please send them my way. It makes it very easy for me for topics. If not, I just keep peeling one thing away from the week that I've learned from somebody, and we talk about it on Friday. All right, take care.